0: Hi, it's Amy niles here. Welcome to this edition of the Arsenal Audio Programme.
2: Arsenal vs Liverpool, Wednesday, July the 15th, 2020.
0: Kickoff, 8.15 pm. The contents. Head coach Mikel Arteta. The Captain Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang
2: Voice of Arsenal Match Action Wolverhampton Wanderers vs Arsenal 35 years in the community Arsenal Academy Junior Gunners Club Culture Player Questionnaire Kieran Tierney Arsenal Women Match Action Arsenal vs Leicester City Visitors, Liverpool. Retro Report, Arsenal versus Liverpool. And
0: teams.
1: Mikel Arteta. The Head Coach on how we have to be more ruthless. The defeat against Tottenham was very difficult to take. I am disappointed and frustrated, and really sorry for the boys first, because the way they played and the personality they showed, that's exactly what we wanted to do. We were the away team, but we nullified them, pressed them high, and forced them to kick the ball long and defend in a low block. But obviously, if you give the two goals away that we have given against these players, it is very difficult to win a derby. The first goal in a big game, you know how important it is, and the percentages of winning when you have that. Just giving it away like that, after what it takes to break down a team like Spurs, it affects a team. But straight away, we kept going. We kept trying and we started to dominate the last part of the first half. And in the second half, we modified one or two things and started to attack them better, dominate them better, and win the ball back really early. Everything was looking like we were gaining more momentum and getting closer to winning the game, but then we conceded. We have to learn. In every game, something happens. A little margin here, a little margin there. I'm sure we will get there, and I am proud because of the performance away from home in a Derby game. That's really positive, but I'm sorry for the fans, because I know how much it means to all of you. We were very willing to give you a big moment of happiness, and unfortunately, I am sorry, but we could not do it. In our last match here at Emirates against Leicester, I think for long periods we deserved the three points. But against this type of opposition, when you have them there, you have to kill them. We should have scored three or four goals and then the game is over. We didn't do that. But overall I was happy and proud of what I saw from the players, particularly how we dominated them in the first half. We needed that second goal when we were dominant and they have a very good goalkeeper who saved them in a few moments but we needed that cushion after the situation with Eddie and Ketia. Since I've joined, I think it's the fourth time that we've played with ten men, and it's something that we have to improve, because we give the opponent a big advantage. Against top opposition, playing with ten men, you make it really difficult for yourself, and it's something that we have to build on as a team. I'm not going to talk too much about the details of the sending off, but Eddie said sorry, and he doesn't need to do that. I know when he goes for every single ball, it's because he's so willing to win every challenge, be on the front foot in every action. He didn't see the player coming up, and obviously he doesn't want to hurt anybody, so it's part of the process. They are really young. They need to learn from these situations and hopefully it won't happen again. There was a situation with Vardy that I highlighted after the game, and my point was that if we are reviewing everything, that also has to be reviewed. But it's gone now. We just have to learn from situations, like I said. Danny Thabaios has been outstanding in recent games, and I think him and Granite have created a really good understanding. They give us a lot of balance and a lot of stability with the ball to make the right decision in moments of transition, and they are evolving a lot together. Defensively, Danny has made a big step forward the way he is pressing, the amount of interceptions that he is putting in, and he is enjoying it. But there are a lot of really strong performances I can highlight from recent games. Bucaio's movement and cross for Pierre's goal against Leicester is also worth mentioning. He's really precise in the final third, and the closer he gets to the box actually, the picture is clearer for him. That's a real attribute. I think he will also score a lot of goals, because he has really good quality in terms of finishing with both feet. We welcome the champions to Emirates Stadium today and I want to congratulate them on what has been a truly fantastic season. Their consistency, not just over this season, but the previous campaign too, means they really are worthy champions. As a team, we have to find a consistency before we challenge a team of the quality of Liverpool for the title. We know that. Finally, I would just like to pay my respects to the friends and family of Jack Charlton, From everyone at Arsenal Football Club I know the players who were part of the 1966 World Cup Have gone down in folklore in this country I can understand the feelings towards them Also, he had a fantastic career in management And to achieve what he did with Republic of Ireland was exceptional (laughs)
0: The captain, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. The captain on a difficult couple of games. Sunday's game was hard for us to take. It was an unbelievable moment from Lacquer to open the scoring. But ultimately we lost concentration soon after that, and that was a blow for us. It took away the impetus we had. In the second half I thought we really controlled the game. When I hit the crossbar, I thought it was going in. It felt good when I hit it. But ultimately, we couldn't get ahead and then succumbed to a set piece, and we were really disappointed at the end. It didn't make it any easier that there were no fans there. It was a game we thought we had played well enough to win, and we got nothing. We were disappointed that we couldn't get more out of the game against Leicester in our last home game, especially after we played so well in the first half. Once we took the lead, we looked really dangerous going forward. I thought Bukeo, myself and Laco were combining well on the ball, and we could have scored more. You could see how well the team was working for my goal. Danny played a great pass to Bukeo, and we are now used to seeing him do the rest. He beat his player, and I just needed to be on the end of his pass. I've seen it again on TV, and the pass was so good that Leica was celebrating before I even kicked it. It's another assist for Bucko, and it's great for us experienced guys to be alongside all these good young players that we have now. I'm really happy to have them with us, because it's really fun playing alongside players with that energy. Like Booker, they are all nice guys, they are humble, and they know they have to work hard if they want to get what they deserve in football. You always have to keep improving, they know that, but I'm sure they are going to be great players because to come into a team like Arsenal at their age is not easy, but all of them are showing they should be there. They are making the difference for us when we need them. As captain of the club, I really like the responsibility I have to set an example to them. It's funny because I remember very well being in their position, being a younger player who looks up to the captain. But now, I am the one trying to give the advice, and what I really like is that when I do talk, they always listen, and they try to take the best out of what I have to say to them. It's something that makes me really proud and I want to keep doing it. An example was after the Leicester game. Eddie Ankitia was really disappointed to be sent off and to be missing these games afterwards. But what he did can happen in a match. Everyone knows he didn't want to hurt the player. He was going for the ball like he always does and was unlucky. It was similar for me earlier in the season when we played at Crystal Palace. I didn't want to hurt anyone. I apologised, but I had to miss three games too, and you use it to learn from. Eddie is going to be a big player for this club for a long time, hopefully, and he will go through moments like this in his career. But what I really like about him is how hard he works. The guy never stops running. And he needs to keep that part of his game too, closing down players and putting defenders under pressure – because you can get goals that way as well, just like he did at Southampton recently. We have to use the hurt we feel after Sunday's defeat and harness it for what is another really big game today against Liverpool, who I think deserve to win the league this season. It will be a big test for us because they have been so strong all year, but we know we can hurt any team when we play our game. We showed it against Liverpool at the start of the season when we went to Anfield, In the end, we did not get the result we wanted, but I thought in the first half, until they scored, we were dangerous going forward and had some good chances. I am sure if we can attack at that speed again tonight, we will be able to get behind their defence again. We don't have many games left this season, only one more at the Emirates after this one, and I can't wait until we can have the fans back watching us. Of course, we have to be safe and everybody's health has to come first, but we have really missed having you guys with us in the stadium, especially for the big games like this one. All we can try to do is make you all happy at home, wherever you are watching us from. We know you are supporting us, so we want to give everything back to you. Come on, you gunners!
3: The Voice of Arsenal, Hector's 200 Hector Bellerin made his 200th appearance for the Gunners when he came on against Wolves earlier this month. The Spanish right-back made his debut in September 2013, having joined the club's youth setup two years earlier. Since then, the defender has won two FA Cups and two Community Shields during seven seasons in the first team. He has scored eight goals and added 25 assists during his first 200 appearances, 184 of which were starts, the other 16 from the bench. He has also popped more than 50 times for our various youth sides and had a spell on loan at Watford. Among his current squad, only Messid Ozil has made more first team appearances than the 25 year old Hector. Ed is out. Eddie Nakar is serving the second of a three game ban this evening, following the red card he received against Leicester City. He will also miss this weekend's FA Cup semi final against Manchester City at Wembley Stadium but will only be available for the Aston Villa fixture on the 21st of July. Today's programme remembers the last time Liverpool travelled to North London to play Arsenal as champions, back on December the 2nd 1990, after the Reds had won the 89-90 title. For a full report of the game, including an account of the controversial goal Paul Merson is celebrating on the cover Turn to page 58. Our final programme of the season for our match against Watford on Sunday July 26 will, like the three previous issues in lockdown, be available for home delivery, ready for the day of the game. The programme will be printed and posted out as soon as we have updated the details from the match against Aston Villa earlier that week. If you'd like to order the programme, ready for the match day, then go to the memorabilia section of Arsenal Direct and order on or before Monday, July 20th. Orders can still be made after that date, but it's very unlikely the programme will arrive the day of the game. There will also be a free digital version of the programme available on the day of the game. Magnificent Seven Current Arsenal women's star Leah Williamson, Jordan Noble, Danny van der Vonk, Vivian, along with legends Kelly Smith, Steph Houghton and Karen Carney have been voted into the best women's Super League team of all time. Fans were invited to vote for their team via the women's Super League social media channels. Lee is the youngest of the group at age just 23 although the defender who has already made 137 appearances for the Gunners. Jordan has been the mainstay for the team for a decade and is now 8th in the all-time appearance makers for Arsenal, having played 206 times, during which time the midfielder has racked up 66 goals. Netherlands international midfielder, Daniel has been in North London since November 2015 and she has already won the FAWSL, the skilful midfielder, scoring in goals and pounding six assists during our 2018-19 winning campaign. Fellow countrywoman Viv has only been with the club for three years but she has already rattled home 69 goals in just 75 games and has proven to be the most poignant goalscorer of the Women's Super League Legendary striker Kelly had three spells with Arsenal winning 20 major trophies including four league titles three FA Cups two Community Shields one Premier League Cup and a Champions League Her 130 goals in 156 games mark out Kelly as one of the best British footballers ever to play the game Steph Houghton may be more associated with Manchester City, having spent nearly seven years there, but she was a key defender for the Gunners for four seasons from 2010, playing 86 games and scoring 12 goals. Lastly, recently retired striker Karen Carney makes it seven Gunners. Karen had three seasons with Vic Aker's team between 2006 and 2009, winning the European Cup in her first season, and she scored 42 goals in her 92 matches with us. Arsenal's continued appetite to help. Arsenal staff working with HIS Church, an emergency goods redistribution charity, delivered three pallets of food to St Joan of Arc Church Highbury last week in our continued efforts to help those in local communities who find themselves in difficult situations. In all, 68 food parcels were made up, ready for local parishioners. The SVP Christian charity had applied via the Gunners Fund, which is a grant scheme that Arsenal give to local charity projects. Ref Watch Paul Tierney is the man of the middle today. The fifth time he has refereed one of our games this season. The last time he was our 2-1 win over Sheffield United in the FA Cup quarter-final. He also took charge of the 1-1 draw at Palace in January in which Aubameyang was dismissed. Our 3-0 home defeat to Manchester City and our 2-2 draw at Watford. Turney first took charge of the Premier League fixtures 2014-15 and was promoted to the select group of referees at the start of the 2016 season. Tierney's assistants today are Dan Cook, Simon Long, whilst Gareth Scott is the fourth official, Craig Pawson is the VAR. Forthcoming fixtures. A reminder of the dates, times and where you can watch our forthcoming matches. The FA Cup semi-final, Arsenal versus Manchester City, Saturday, July the eighteenth, seven forty-five PM on BT Sport. The Premier League, Aston Villa versus Arsenal, Tuesday, July the twenty-first, eight fifteen on Sky Sports, and the Premier League, Arsenal versus Watford, Sunday, July twenty-six, four PM, TV to be confirmed. The Armory. The club is delighted to be able to reopen the Armoury on June the 22nd in line with guidance provided by the UK Government and Public Health England. We've introduced a number of measures to help protect both our fans and colleagues. If you head down to our flagship store, read for all the essential information. We want to make sure the Armoury is a safe place to be, so please help us. Stay home if you feel unwell or if you're displaying any of the symptoms associated with COVID-19. Check our website or sole media channels for any updates that may impact your visit. When in store, keep a safe distance from others and follow all guidance. We are now accepting card payments only. What to expect in the store? Strict cleaning and hygiene regime. The armory has been deep cleaned and disinfected and we will continue to follow the strict regime for cleanliness throughout the store Reduce capacity We are limiting a number of people into our shops at any one time to help everybody keep a safe distance from others And we're here to help All of our team members undergo a daily health check and have been trained to carry out COVID-19 safety policies We will be on hand to manage queues answer any questions you may have and to remind customers of the physical distancing rule The in-store signage will be displaying key safety measures to ensure that everybody is kept a safe distance when shopping and queuing. Touch-free hand sanitizers have been provided in-store for your use. Don't handle the product. To minimise unnecessary contact, please only handle products you intend to purchase. Temporary closures. Some of our in-store services and experiences have been suspended for now to help minimise unnecessary contact, which includes our changing rooms. We are sorry for any inconvenience this may cause. We have extended our refund policy so that you can shop with confidence. Shirt printing is available. Personalised shirt printing is still available in your store, your shirt, your way. Protecting you at the tills. Protective screens have been placed at the tills to protect our fans and colleagues to maintain physical distancing. We are provided clearly marked waiting positions for our queues and we have fewer tills open. We are accepting card payments only to prevent unnecessary contact and limit to contactless payments have been increased to £45. Our opening hours? Monday to Saturday, 9.30 to 4.30pm. Sunday 10am to 4pm The armoury is currently not open on match days Arsenal Remembers George Box Arsenal Football Club would like to extend sincere sympathies to the family and friends of George Box who passed away earlier this month aged 100 George was a member of the Arsenal ground staff from 1969 until his retirement in 1983, working under Clerk of the Works Ron Franklin and Head Groundsman Fred Virgo. George was a huge valued member of staff, who is fondly remembered by current staff Ken Freyer, David Miles and Pat O'Connor. Rest in peace, George. Arsenal Remembers James Woolston, Islington born and lifetime Arsenal fan, sadly passed away on April the 22nd, 2020, aged 37. James will be forever loved and remembered by son Ollie, mum Anne, father John, brother Matty, and many more who knew him. Ian Edward Cleaver, born December the 18th, 1996, in Holloway, a lifetime gooner. Ian leaves behind wife Lorraine sons Anthony and Devon daughter Kimberley and granddaughter Eva plus partners. Colin Bradrinth Colin was a lifelong Arsenal fan. He went to his first game in 1958 and he loved the club with a passion. Sadly he passed from COVID-19 on April 7th 2020. Match days won't be the same without him. Mark Coucher 1964, passed away June 2nd, 2020, a devoted husband and father who loved his family so much. He loved going to matches with his boys and having a drink. He will be sadly missed by many. Dean Mason, an avid Arsenal fan since the 70s and one of the good guys. We'll be cheering our team on for you, Dad. Love and miss you. From William and Oliver. Jacob William Sargent Sadly passed away unexpectedly on May 30th 2020, aged only 17 Loving son to Kirsty and Ricky, beloved brother to Alfie, Ashton and Liliana Arsenal and football were a massive part of his life Jacob will be missed by his family and his friends Roy Stagg Born in the heart of Islington, always had Arsenal in his heart Died of COVID nineteen on his seventy-second birthday, April eighteenth, twenty twenty. Truly was a Gooner till the day he died. Nigel Musk, beloved husband, dad, brother, and granddad, sadly taken from us on May the tenth. Forever a Gooner, and forever in our hearts. <laughs>
2: Match report. Wolves. Premier League. Match day 33. 5.30pm. Saturday, July the 4th. Molineux. Wolves 0. Arsenal 2. Arsenal scorers. Saka 43. Lacazette 86. Wolverhampton Wanderers. Number 11. Patricio. Number 15. Bully. Number 16. Cody. Yellow card. Number 27, Seis, yellow card. Number 2, Doherty, substituted 71st minute. Number 32, Dendonka, substituted 55th minute. Number 8, Neves. Number 28, Moutinho, substituted 89th minute. Number 19, Johnny. Number 37, Treori, Number 9, Jimenez, substitutes Cavaco Giordio. Neto seventy first, Gibbs White eighty ninth, Jota fifty fifth, Ruddy, Vinagre, Campana, Kilman, Boer, Arsenal, number twenty six Martinez, number seventeen Cedric substituted seventy sixth minute, number twenty Mustafi, number twenty three David Luiz yellow card, number thirty one Kalasinac. Number eight, Sebalos, substituted eighty third minute. Number thirty four, Zaka, yellow card. Number three, Tierney, substituted fifty sixth minute. Number seventy seven, Saka, substituted seventy sixth minute. Number fourteen, Aubameyang Number thirty, Nicotair, substituted eighty third minute. Substitutes, Bellerin, seventy six, Socrates. Lacazette eighty three Torriera Yellow Card eighty three Nelson holding Willock seventy six Maitland Niles Yellow Card fifty six Macy Boom Laka First half Both teams were tentative in the opening exchanges, patiently looking for openings although Emiliano Martinez did have to be alert in the opening two minutes to come off his line quickly and deny Adama Traore. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang had a shot easily saved when the ball fell to him at a corner, and Eddie Nicotia saw a shot hit the near post, but as the break approached, we finally broke through. Kieran Tierney's cross took a deflection on its way to Bukeo Saka, who readjusted his body shape to volley home his first ever Premier League goal. Second half We had to defend well for much of the second half, with Shokran Mustafi, David Luiz and Sead Kolasinac looking solid in the back three. Louise made an excellent block to deny Diego Yota before Traore raced through and chipped it over Martinez, but inches over the bar. We weathered the storm, then began to look dangerous ourselves, and were rewarded late on. Two substitutes combined to seal the points. Joe Willock crossed for Alexandre Lacazette, who took a wonderful touch before firing home right-footed. Match Stats Total shots Wolves 10, Arsenal 8. Shots on target Wolves 1, Arsenal 5. Corners Wolves 3, Arsenal 5. Offsides Wolves 1, Arsenal 0. Fouls Wolves 6, Arsenal 11. Possession Wolves 52%, Arsenal 48%.
1: 35 years in the community. Become a gapper, see the world, and coach football the Arsenal way. The Arsenal Gap programme offers an exciting opportunity to get involved in community football coaching with Arsenal in the community, both in London and overseas. Over the course of the season, Gappers have gained coaching and teaching qualifications in London, whilst gaining lots of experience leading and supporting sessions across our range of community projects. They have also had the opportunity to be selected to travel abroad, to coach at one of our community programmes around the world. Our November cohort of coaches unfortunately had their travel plans disrupted by the outbreak of Covid-19, but will be looking to take up their placements next year, when they will be joined by a new cohort of coaches to join the program in 2020 to 2021. For more information on the Arsenal Gap Year program, email Adam Henry ahenry at arsenal.co.uk. <laughs>
0: Arsenal Academy Young Gun, Zag Medley Around the academy, all are scoring graduates. Young Gun, Zag Medley Talking to Aidan Small The basics Born Greenwich, July 9, 2000 Joined Arsenal, October 2016 Height and weight 196 centimetres, 88 kilos Position centre-back School Howard School and Glynn School. I was lucky enough to be there for Mikhail's first training session, and that was an absolute privilege. At the time, the first team had played a game the day before, and that meant some of the young lads joined a session with the players who didn't play or were on the bench, and as soon as he arrived, everyone had that immediate respect for him. He's obviously already been at the club before, and during that time he proved himself to be a highly respected professional and player, and now he's coming back as a highly respected and rated coach. With the way he arrived and instantly set a certain tone in training, you can just tell that he knows what he wants and that he's here to do a great job. Having worked in a fair few of his training sessions so far, I'd have to say that he's very detailed and that there's a massive thought process that goes into everything that he's doing on the training pitch. He does everything for a reason right down to the smallest details, and I feel that's good because it gives a lot of meaning and identity to what we want to do and achieve as a team. It's so clear for the players to understand, He's been at Arsenal as a player, so he knows all about the Arsenal way and knows what it means to play for this club. And then, having come from Manchester City with the football that they play, he's obviously played an important role in their success too. So, knowing he has all those experiences behind him definitely helps. It's common knowledge that Mikel set tactical and research tasks for the first team over lockdown but we had similar tasks in the academy too with Steve Bould and Ryan Gary. And that's brilliant for us because they all take out so much time to help us and give us feedback wherever possible. One thing I really like about Mikel too is that he will speak to you on an individual basis as well as a team, just so you can get that individual time together and feel that he's really there for your development. I had a chat with him, and he was telling me what he wants from me, and how he thinks I've been doing, but he was also asking me what I think, and how I view things, so it works both ways, and I think that's really important. I've had the opportunity to train with the first team a lot now, and I really feel like it's taken my game to another level. When you're playing against the likes of Laka, Oba and Pepe in training, you've got to be on your game. And when you're playing alongside Socrates, David Luiz and Mustafi, there's so much you can learn every day. It's been an incredible experience. All of the staff have been so helpful to me too, especially Freddy, who I worked under last season but one player who's been particularly kind and helpful to me is David Lewis. He's a great character to have in the team, and he's so welcoming to all the youngsters. He makes a lot of effort to come and speak to us and make us feel comfortable in training, and he'll speak to us about previous games and what we thought of the performance and certain situations. He's helped me to see the game in a different way, and when a player like him is giving you advice and tips, He's definitely someone you want to listen to. Zag Medley, The Lowdown Earliest memory of football Playing with family in the park or at church Who got me into football? My brother First footballer I looked up to? Thierry Henry Team I supported growing up? Arsenal Best player I've faced? Jadon Sancho Biggest influence, my brother. Best goal I've scored, free kick versus Derby in Premier League Tournament. Who I combine best with, Danny Ballard. Best moment of my career so far, making my Arsenal debut. Best goal of all time, Zidane versus Bayer Leverkusen, CL Final O two. 2 Another sport I'm good at, table tennis and basketball. About me. Favourite footballer of all time Thierry Henry Zinedine Zidane Favourite follow on Instagram Sergio Ramos Best footballing attribute Passing If I wasn't a footballer, I would Be an actor or investment banker Favourite training drill 1v1, 2v2, 2v1, 3v2s one thing I want to do in career win a title with Arsenal Ideal cheat meal Wing stop Best thing about Arsenal I play for the team I support Something not many people know about me is I was in East Enders when I was a baby. Around the Academy will definitely make it Ben Chief Best Touch me Tyres John Jules Most Committed. Harry Clark Would-be best manager Mark McGillis, Strongest Joseph Olowu Captain material Danny Ballard Funniest James Oliinka Best singer Dejan Ilyev Rate yourself Pace 7 out of 10 Dribbling 7 out of 10 Passing 8 out of 10 Shooting 7 out of 10 Defending 8 out of 10 Physical 7 out of 10 ACADEMY NEWS Welcome to the club, Joe and Bukeo. Joe Willock and Bukeo Saka recently joined an exclusive list of Arsenal Academy graduates to score a Premier League goal for the first team. Willocks arrived in a comfortable 2-0 win over Southampton, where he showed great attacking instinct to pounce on a loose ball inside the area and fire home, while Saka's came in a 2-0 win over Wolves, Courtesy of a stunning first-time effort into the top corner. Since 2017, Academy graduates have scored Premier League goals for us. Here's a full list. Cesc Fabregas, 35 goals. Nicholas Bender, 24. Alex Iwobi, 11. Ashley Cole, 8. Jack Wilshire, 7. Hector Bellerin, 7. Jermaine Pennant, 3. Eddie Ankitia, 3. Kieran Gibbs, 2. Jeremy Aladier, 1. Justin Hoyt, 1. Johan Dujuru, 1. Fran Merida, 1. Serge Nabry, 1. Ainsley, Maitland Niles, 1. Joe Willock, 1. Bukayo Saka 1. Gunning for the Premier League As the end of the 2019-20 Championship season edges nearer, it won't be long before we are greeted by a few familiar faces in the Premier League. With playoff places up for grabs and the fight for automatic promotion heating up, the bookies have listed Leeds United, West Brom, and Brentford as favourites. With all three clubs boasting some former Gunners in their ranks, if you love your Arsenal Academy alumni, then look no further than the Baggies, who currently have Kieran Gibbs, Carl Bartley, and Semi RG in their rock-solid defence. Next up, we have Brentford who picked up Josh Da Silva in August 2018, and Dominic Thompson one year later. The Bees have become widely known in recent times for playing some of the division's finest free-flowing attacking football. And finally, we have Marcello Bielsa's Leeds, who currently have the experienced Luke Ayling playing at right-back. Ayling scored a goal-of-the-season contender against Huddersfield back in March, rifling a first-time volley past the keeper and in off the crossbar. But he isn't the only Arsenal connection in their squad this season. Eddie Ankitia joined the Whites at the start of the season and scored five goals in just four starts for the club, before eventually returning to North London in the January window. Best of luck, lads. Hopefully, we'll see you all soon. Golden Gunners for Golden Boy Award After signing a new long-term contract with the club, Bukio Sarkar will be one of 100 players that have been nominated for the prestigious Golden Boy Award for 2020. The 18-year-old made his debut for the club last season under the guidance of Unai Emery, but this season he's truly stepped up and proven himself to be one of our most important players, scoring four goals and providing 11 assists. Under-23s winger Trey Coyle has also been nominated for the award after scoring twice and assisting three in 15 Premier League two appearances. Completing the list of Arsenal nominees is Gabriel Martinelli and William Saliba. Back in January, Gabi became the first Arsenal teenager since Nicholas Anelka to score 10 goals or more in a season across all competitions, while Saliba has greatly impressed during his season-long loan spell with Saint-Etienne. Like Boquer, Gabi also recently committed his long-term future to the club by signing a new contract. The winner of the award is expected to be announced in November.
3: Junior Gunners on parade. Connor's been watching the games with Gunnosaurus. Luca's been shopping from home. Isla's been supporting the boys. Come on, you Gunners. Abby scored nine goals in six games played this fall season, including scoring two after she fractured her wrist. Carter can't walk yet, but already practicing his goalkeeping skills for the world's best club. Come on, you Gunners! W T O W. Elian and Daddy watch games every match day if they can. Would you like to welcome someone to the world? Send a photo to juniorgunners at arsenal.co.uk and let us know all about them. The WTOW membership is for our youngest fans aged 0 to 3 years. As a WTOW member, your Mini Gunner gets access to fun competitions, special events, and loads of other benefits, including Gunners membership pack. Find out more at arsenal.com. Forward slash membership. The JG Pre Match Show. On Saturday, July the 26th, we host a special event just for junior gunners and families on Arsenal.com in the build up to the Arsenal versus Watford game. For our first ever pre match show, we have a few VIPs on the guest list and lots of surprises in store for you. And your junior gunner will get involved which you will find out about soon. Stay tuned to our Facebook, Twitter and Instagram pages for more announcements and head to Arsenal.com on Sunday, July 26th, to check it out. We unfortunately can't have mascots at the game between now and the end of the season. Each junior gunner that was pre-selected will be given the opportunity to fulfil their mascot duties when it is safe to do so. Have your drawing on show at the Emirates Stadium. We want to wish the team good luck at every game for the rest of the season, so we're asking you to send us your amazing masterpieces to display at the Emirates Stadium on a match day. Send your Junior Gunner drawings to Junior Gunner Good Luck Drawings Highbury House 75 Drayton Park London N7 7AJ Make sure to include your Junior Gunners name, membership number and contact email address on a separate piece of paper so we know who each one belongs to. To enter, head to Arsenal.com, Junior Gunners or download the Junior Gunners app.
2: Arsenal Culture Club. A significant television first, match of the century. Over the decades, Arsenal have had a big influence on popular culture. Historian John Sperling looks at the Gunners' unique impact off the pitch. Throughout their history, Arsenal have been afforded the opportunity to write themselves into TV history on several occasions. In September 1937, largely due to Gunners boss George Allison's connections in the media, the players appeared in their own programme, which was given the long-winded title Football at the Arsenal, a demonstration by members of the Arsenal team at the Arsenal Stadium Highbury. Introduced by Allison, the playing staff were put through their paces. Those 12,000 or so viewers who owned TV sets at that time in London were able to watch the Reds versus Whites, Arsenal versus Arsenal reserves at Highbury. The Daily Herald's Douglas Walters watched a preview that the BBC released a day before transmission. Seated in the GEC Television Theatre at the heart of London, I watched members of the Arsenal football team practising at Highbury. The BBC had three cameras connected to a mobile unit. Last month, the Gunners' match with Manchester City became the second Premier League game broadcast as Project Restart began in earnest after football was suspended for three months due to Covid-19. But arguably, the club's greatest honour of all was appearing on the first edition of Match of the Day, shown on BBC2 on August 22, 1964 when they took on Bill Shankley's Liverpool at Anfield. The theme music, Barry Stoller's classic MOTD tune wouldn't be heard for another six years, was a grand old marching song, a throwback to football from a bygone era. But to show how society was changing, presenter and commentator Kenneth Wollstoneholm struggled to make himself heard over the Beatles blasting out She Loves You over the Anfield Tannoy. On a beautiful day, an upbeat Wollstone home welcomed viewers to Beetleville, and spoke excitedly about the fact that both Arsenal and reigning champions Liverpool would be among the favourites to win Division 1 in the 1964-65 campaign. In fact, things didn't quite turn out that way. Shankly's side would finish seventh and Billy Wright, struggling to blend his talented group of individuals, was disappointed to see the Gunners marred in 13th place at season's end. Both sides' biggest problem during the campaign was their porous defences. Liverpool conceded 73 goals and Arsenal let in 75. It was an improvement on the 82 goals they'd conceded in 1963-64, stroke but as Wright admitted... Until we strengthen and shore up our back line, we're not going to fulfil the high expectations we have at this club. The match at Anfield, thrilling though it was, laid bare the weaknesses of both sides, but also showed peace the fine attacking talent both clubs possessed. Ian St John was missing for Liverpool due to appendicitis, and Alf Arrowsmith's knee injury kept him out of the sight. And for Arsenal, playing a daring 2-3-5 formation, new signing Don Howe, a full-back, slotted into the defence. Wollstoneholme's co-commentator, former Arsenal full-back Wally Barnes, recognised the Arsenal's defence was still a major concern. And in the midst of being drowned out by the swinging blue jeans, hippy hippy shake, he acknowledged that even with the stabilising presence of Don Howe, it's vital that they, Arsenal, get the ball forward quicker to their forwards, so that they can strike quicker than they did last year. In other words, attacking would be the best form of defence. The game was a cracker. Roger Hunt put Liverpool 1-0 up with a lob shot, which flew past Jim Fernal therefore becoming the first player to score on match of the day, and Gordon Wallace doubled the home side's lead. But in the second half, Arsenal fought back well. Jeff Strong played a 1-2 with George Eastham and rifled home the Gunners first. And from a George Armstrong cross, Joe Baker headed home to equalise. Both Gunners' strikes were sportingly applauded by the cop. A black cat then scampered across the Anfield pitch, but, although both Baker and Strong both went close for the Gunners, it only proved a good-luck charm for the home side when Wallace grabbed his second and Liverpool's late winner. 3-2 to Shankly's men. Phew! Well, I'd call it the match of the century. I don't know about the match of the day, enthused Home afterwards. A little awkwardly, perhaps, Wally Barnes agreed. His doubts about the poorest Gunners' defence confirmed in front of the cameras. The programme went unseen on Merseyside because the new BBC2 couldn't be received in the northwest. The showcase match, as well as highlighting the defensive frailties which blighted the right era, also convinced Bill Shankly that he should invest £40,000 in the skilful and strong-running Jeff Strong, Arsenal's first MOTD scorer, who'd netted 77 goals in 137 games for the Gunners. His departure enabled John Radford to break through, who plundered Arsenal's first hat trick on MOTD against Manchester United in August
1: 1970. At home with Kieran Tierney. Players tell us about how their family life influenced their football careers. Tell us about the family you grew up in, Kieran. Growing up was with my mum, my dad and my big sister, who's a bit older. And we had a dog as well, a Labrador. So it was the four of us together. We've always been very close, but obviously, as I got older, my football started to take me away from certain things. My dad would spend a lot of time taking me to and from football, my mum would get stuff ready for football, and sometimes she would come to football as well, which meant my sister was staying at home looking after the dog. So everybody was making sacrifices for me, and that was when I was seven or eight. Where did you grow up? Well, I was born in Douglas, Isle of Man, but I moved to Motherwell really young. We stayed in a tower block in Muir House. I've always stayed in Muirhouse because my dad was from there. We stayed on the ninth floor of the tower block for the first seven years or so. My earliest football memories are of playing around that tower block. Then when I went to primary school, we moved a couple of minutes up the road, still in Muirhouse, but we needed a bigger place. Then I spent about 15 years there until I moved recently to London. Who would you play football with as a kid? When I was really young, it was my dad. I can remember playing football with him when I was about three or four. We played on the Red Ash Park. It was proper old school. We would jump the fence to go and play there when I was really young. Those were my earliest memories. I remember him kicking the ball really high. And at that age, you think, how can he do that? He must be the best player in the world. Had football always been in the family? Well, my dad will tell you he was a footballer, but no, he just played at amateur level, the same as everyone else. I think he was quick, though, to be fair to him. Maybe he's the same as me. No technique, but quite quick. Were there any regular activities you would do together as a family? Yes, When we were younger, we would go to Sunday Mass together. We're Catholic, so we went to a Catholic school and Mass on Sundays. Then after that, we'd have lunch together. Those are my very early memories of Sundays. Then football started to take over, and that would be my Sunday. To be honest, I was playing football from so young that I can't remember much else other than playing football as a kid. Did you play any other sports? Nope, nothing. I wasn't interested. In P.E. we had to do basketball and other stuff, but I was never into other sports. I didn't watch other sports, and I still don't, really. Did you watch much football? Not as much as I played. I watched Celtic, though, of course. When I was three or four, my dad first took me to watch them. He had been going for years. He's a big Celtic fan from a Celtic family. I don't remember the game as such, but I remember the occasion. And the night before, my gran gave me a couple of pounds to spend at the game. I remember being really excited. My dad gave me one of his scarves, and I had the strip, which I wore over the top of my jacket. I remember walking up the stairs to the stadium, and the build-up and everything. What holidays do you remember as a child? Every summer we would go away, somewhere like Spain. We went to Mallorca a few times, and sometimes in Easter we would maybe go away in a caravan or something like that. Did you have much extended family around? Yes, I've got cousins, aunties and uncles that are big Celtic fans as well. We get together for big occasions, birthdays and so on. I have some family in Isle of Man, where I was born, and sometimes we go over there as well, so everyone is together. That's really nice, because it's difficult to get everyone together when you get older. Who's the biggest football fan in the family? My uncle John and my cousin Aidan are always, always on to me, every single day, asking for tickets and stuff. They still are, and I don't even play for Celtic anymore but I like to do that for them because even before I was playing, they have always been proper, proper Celtic fans. Real fans who support them through thick and thin. Has there been a game that you played in that was special because your family were in attendance? Every single home game for Celtic, I would be on the pitch and wave up to my family in the stands, then turn and wave some more to someone else, then turn again and wave at a different group. I was stood out on the pitch waving to people for five minutes. Have I forgotten anyone? Oh yeah, there's some in the top tier too, I'll wave up there. It was quite funny, but I could pinpoint exactly where they were in the stadium, because they had been in the same positions for years. But yeah, my debut was pretty special. I had played a couple of friendlies, but the competitive was the best. I only came on for ten minutes. We were away at Dundee, but my family were all there that day. The next season, my home debut was on flag day. We had won the league the season before, so the first home game of the season, the fans brought their flags, and it was great. The other left back was suspended, so I played, and I know my mum and dad were really proud that day to see me play at Celtic Park in front of 60,000. Did your parents ever tell you off for playing too much? No, they were always, always supporting me and encouraging me. I loved football, and looking back on it, I know I should have stuck it a bit better at school. But my parents were so supportive and never once doubted my desire. Obviously, there were hard times when I wasn't playing as much, but they were always right behind me. Was there ever a time you thought you wouldn't make it? Yeah, I was 15 and Celtic sent us all to a school, which I went to for two years. It was the hardest two years, mentally, of my life. I was up at 5am every morning, then had to train before school, train again, school, then get home about 8 or 9, then up again at 5 the next day. I was 14 and 15 at the time, and honestly, it was the hardest thing I've done. I think if I did two years there, I can do two years anywhere. People dropped out, people stopped going. At that age, you lose a few people, because if you aren't totally dedicated, you've got no chance. There were influences from outside, parties and other stuff. I've never drank, I still don't. I'm not interested. I used to have a full day and then play again in the evening and my parents would be on at me to take a rest sometimes. They were the most supportive parents I could ever wish for from day one. Back when I was seven years old, they were sacrificing so much for me and of course nobody knows where it will all end up. So it's amazing to think back about everything they did. I can never thank them enough. People ask, what's the best thing about being a footballer? And obviously it's the enjoyment. But making your parents proud is the best thing ever. For me, it's the biggest benefit. How has being a footballer changed your life? It's changed everything. We're a normal working-class family from a normal housing estate, the same as everybody else. For me to take that place in the Celtic school, my mum had to take three jobs. She worked as a cleaner in the morning, then was a dinner lady in the afternoon at school, and then cleaned again at night. I felt so bad, I used to sit and cry thinking about it, knowing my mum was working all the hours she could just so I could play football. And she wasn't getting paid much for it at all. I felt so guilty about it. She was running the house as well, doing the cooking, the cleaning, the washing. She did everything for everybody and never once asked for anything back. So then, when I did make it and got a contract from Celtic, the very first thing I did was to tell her she could quit her job, and that was a great feeling. We were both in tears. It was the best feeling. Scoring a goal is great and making your debut... But to be able to tell my mum, that was the best. I get emotional now, just thinking about it.
0: Arsenal Women Joe Montemurro continues to build his side ahead of next season. Lydia lands at Arsenal. Australia international goalkeeper Lydia Williams has joined us from Melbourne City FC. The 32-year-old has a wealth of experience, having previously played for seven clubs across the world, including in the NWSL in North America and in Sweden, making over 200 appearances between the posts in all. She is also the Matildas number 1 and has 88 caps a number of which have come alongside Steph Catley and Caitlin Ford, who join her in North London. To be given an opportunity to come over and play with some of the best players in the world is really exciting, she said. I remember watching Arsenal as a young kid, so it's amazing to be a part of this team. I can't wait to meet all of my teammates. This is another really important signing for us, said head coach and compatriot Joe Montemurro. With the wealth of experience that Lydia brings, she can help the younger players that we've got, but more importantly, she's a big game player that will be solid and really. A very well-known figure in Australia, Lydia was the Australia PFA Footballer of the Year in 2016. She has also written a children's book, Saved, about her unconventional childhood growing up in the desert with her Aboriginal father and American mother and path to footballing stardom. She is also a qualified zookeeper, surely a first for Arsenal women. The deal is subject to the completion of regulatory processes. Welcome to Arsenal, Marlon. Marlin makes her move. Marlin Gut has joined us from Grasshopper Club Zurich. The Switzerland international, 19-year-old midfielder, started her career at FC Zurich before making the switch to Grasshopper Club Zurich in 2019. Marlin made her senior debut at the club at just 15 years of age, and during her five-year tenure, won the National Liga R and the Swiss Women's Cup. Three times each. After joining Grasshopper Club Zurich, Mullen made 23 appearances as a versatile midfielder, scoring six goals. Mullen has also featured eight times for her national side, often starting alongside current Arsenal midfielder Leah Walty. She said, It's a very big honour for me to be able to play and represent this club in the future. From the beginning, it felt like everything fitted perfectly. I talked to Joe a lot, which helped because he was really able to convince me from the first second, and I felt that he's the kind of coach I really want to play with. I'm very, very excited to play with the Arsenal shirt for the first time. Head coach Joe Montemurro said... She's a player that I noticed about a year ago now in the Swiss national team that is very, very mature for her age. She's someone that I think is really going to flourish in our environment around the players that she's going to be around. She's a very exciting prospect for the club. Getting ready. With the Champions League still to be completed this season and a new WSL season to plan for, Putting in the time on the training pitches is of utmost importance. Arsenal photographer David Price watched the team being put through their paces last week. WSL final table twenty nineteen to twenty: the first four places. Manchester City played sixteen, won thirteen, drawn one, lost two, goal difference thirty points forty. Chelsea played fifteen, won twelve. Drawn 3, lost 0, goal difference 36, points 39. Arsenal, played 15, won 12, drawn 0, lost 3, goal difference 27, points 36. Manchester United, played 14, won 7, drawn 2, lost 5, goal difference 12, points 23.
3: Match report, Leicester City Premier League, Match Day 34 8.15pm kickoff, Tuesday, July 7th Emirates Stadium Arsenal 1 Leicester City 1 Goals from Aubameyang 21 minutes Vardy 84 minutes Your Arsenal team Martínez Bellerin Mustafi David Luiz Koshawnik Sabalos Zaka Tierney Zaka Aubameyang and Lacazette Your Leicester City side Schmeichel Bennett Evans Justin Nididi Telemans Brighton, Vardy Perez First half The visitors started strongly but we soon began to work our way into the game and carve out some good chances. Danny Sabalos was at the heart of our midfield play with a front line three of Alexandra Lacazette, Biako Saka and Pierre Aubameyang all working well together It was Aubameyang who opened the scoring, finishing after wonderful work in the box by Saka to set him up Lacazette had a good low shot well saved and then a header kept out, but we were unable to score the goals that our dominance perhaps deserved. Second half. Emmy Martinez looked secure behind our backline as we worked hard to maintain another clean sheet, but our task was made a lot harder after Eddie was sent off with 15 minutes remaining. The youngster had not long been on the pitch when he was dismissed, following a VAR referral for a dangerous challenge on James Justin. The visitors' pressure eventually told when Jamie Vardy struck home from close range when a low cross went into the box and it fell for him. Match Stats Total Shots Arsenal 11 Leicester 13 Shots on Target Arsenal 7 Leicester 5 Corners, Arsenal 10, Leicester 1. Offsides, Arsenal 4, Leicester 1. Fouls, Arsenal 10, Leicester 14. Possession, Arsenal 38, Leicester 62. The game ended 1-1.
2: Visitors, Liverpool. Words, Mike Hammond. Liverpool fulfilled a long-standing ambition last month when they finally won the Premier League, ending a 30-year wait to be crowned Champions of England for the 19th time. Jurgen Klopp's side sealed the club's title triumph without kicking a ball when Chelsea defeated second-place Manchester City 2-1 at Stamford Bridge on June 25th. But it was a coronation that was only a matter of time the Merseysiders having been a dominant, unrivalled force throughout this extended 2019-20 campaign. Runners up to City last season having collected 97 points and missed out by just one to the defending champions and recording just a single defeat at the Etihad. Liverpool started this campaign as men on a mission. Boyd, by their victory in the Champions League, sealed with a 2-0 win over Tottenham in the Madrid final, they kicked off the Premier League with eight successive wins, including 3-1 at home to Arsenal in August. Although Manchester United ended their winning streak, which stretched to 17 matches, including the nine victories carried over from the previous season with a 1-1 draw at Old Trafford, that proved to be a mere blip in the club's procession to the title. Undeterred, the Merseysiders went on another incredible winning run, this one stretching to 18 matches, before it finally came to a halt with a 3-0 defeat at Watford on the last day of February, ending their hopes of matching Arsenal's 2003-4 stroke Invincibles. By then, even with the imminent suspension of the league due to the coronavirus outbreak, Liverpool were home and dry. Their lead, a mammoth 25 points over Manchester City at the time of the shutdown, with nine fixtures left to play. The Premier League is not the only competition Liverpool have won in 2019-20. Last August, they beat Chelsea on penalties in Istanbul to win the UEFA Super Cup. And in December, they won the FIFA Club World Cup, beating South American champions Flamengo 1-0 in Qatar. That competition clashed with Liverpool's Carabao Cup quarter-final, which meant that after beating Arsenal on penalties at Anfield in the last 16, a team of youngsters lost 5-0 at Aston Villa. Liverpool lost 2-0 at Chelsea in the FA Cup fifth round, but a much bigger disappointment came in the Champions League round of 16 when their defence of the trophy was ended by Atletico Madrid, who beat Klopp's men 1-0 in the Spanish capital and sensationally 3-2 after extra time at Anfield. That was Liverpool's last fixture before the hiatus, but once the Premier League resumed in June, it was only a matter of days before they finally landed the prize they really wanted. Saturday's 1-1 draw against Burnley, which meant they missed the chance to win every home league this season, will have mattered little to the overjoyed, title-starved and field-faithful. Liverpool Fact File Formed 1892 Nickname The Reds Stadium Anfield Owners Fenway Sports Group Record Appearances Ian Callahan eight hundred and fifty seven Record goal scorer Ian Rush three hundred and forty six Twitter followers fourteen point nine million Heaven seventeen This is our seventeenth meeting with Liverpool at Emirates Stadium. We have faced them here in the Premier League, Champions League, FA Cup and League Cup. LACA LEVELER The last meeting here ended 1-1 in the Premier League, with Alexandre Lacazette equalising James Milner's opener. 49ers In the past nine meetings between the sides, there have been 49 goals scored, including 10 when we last met. A 5-5 draw at Anfield in the EFL Cup fourth round. Played for both Players who have played for both teams include Yossi Benayoun, Nicholas Anelka, Kolo Toure, Jermaine Pennant and Jimmy Carter. The skipper, number 14, Jordan Henderson, midfielder. Born Sunderland, 17th of June 1990. Previously, Sunderland, Coventry, Lone. Next Wednesday at Anfield, after Liverpool's final home game of the season against Chelsea, Jordan will have the honour of becoming the first Liverpool captain to lift the Premier League trophy. A £20 million acquisition from Sunderland in June 2011, he replaced Stephen Gerrard as Liverpool's captain four years later. Composed and energetic, the 30 year old Wearsider is a fiercely committed leader in central midfield and also a long standing England international with 55 caps. The Lynchpin, number four, Virgil van Dyck. Defender, born Breda, Netherlands, 8th of July 1991. Previously, Groningen, Celtic, Southampton. A £75 million capture from Southampton in January 2019, Virgil has become Liverpool's defensive rock, providing a commanding presence to an area of the team that was once seen as a weakness. Virtually ever present since his arrival at Anfield, the ex Celtic centre back won his first cap for the Netherlands in October 2015 and is now the captain of the Orangi under his ex Saints boss Ronald Koeman. He was runner up to Lionel Messi in the twenty nineteen Ballon d'Or vote. The Speedy Scot number twenty six Andrew Robertson Defender Born Glasgow eleventh of march nineteen ninety four. Previously Queen's Park, Dundee United, Hull. A key contributor to Liverpool's recent triumphs with his pacey sorties down the left flank and inch perfect crosses. Andrew is a fine attacking left-back who joined the Merseysiders from Hull City three years ago after experiencing a run of relegation, promotion and relegation again with them. The 26-year-old scored his first international goal for Scotland in a November 2014 friendly against England and was appointed as captain of his country two years ago. Scored his first goal at Anfield for 790 games in the 1-1 draw versus Burnley on Saturday. The local lad, number 66, Trent Alexander Arnold, defender. Born Liverpool, 7th of October 1998. A native Liverpudlian who has come through the club's academy. Trent has represented England at every level from under 16s upwards, earning selection for Gareth Southgate's senior squad at the 2018 World Cup aged 19. He has also made remarkably rapid progress for his club, becoming virtually immovable at right-back over the past couple of seasons. Athletic, adventurous and a set-piece specialist, he is widely seen as one of English football's finest young talents. The Boss, Jürgen Klopp, manager. Born Stuttgart, Germany, June 16th, 1967. Previously, Mainz, 2001-2008. to Borussia Dortmund, 2008-2013. Jürgen has strengthened his reputation as one of Europe's most accomplished coaches since he arrived at Anfield in October 2015, leading Liverpool to Champions League and Premier League triumphs in successive seasons. The 53-year-old German oversaw three cup-final defeats for the Merseysiders before finally bringing silverware to the Anfield Trophy Cabinet. His previous major honour with ex-club Borussia Dortmund had come in 2011-12 stroke when he won the German Bundesliga and DFB-Pokal double, retaining the league title in the process. He left Dortmund in May 2015 after seven years as the longest-serving coach in the club's history. Off the mark... Our first ever Premier League points came against Liverpool thanks to a 2-0 win at Anfield on August twenty-third, 1992. Record C rushed. For seven years and 145 matches, when Ian Rush scored, Liverpool never lost. That was until the 1987 League Cup final when we came back to win 2-1 at Wembley after Rush's opener. Title clincher. We have twice clinched the league title with victories over Liverpool. Aside from the famous win at Anfield in 1989, we secured our first title in 1931 with a 3-1 win over the Reds at Highbury. The sweet left foot. Number 11. Mohamed Salah. Forward. Born. Gabia, Egypt. 15th of June 1992. Previously. El Mokwalun. Basel, Chelsea, Fiorentina, Lone, Roma. A phenomenal first season at Anfield in 2017-18, following a then-club-record transfer from Roma, earned the Egypt International both the PFA and FWA Player of the Year awards. The club trophies have come since, with decisive contributions to both last season's Champions League win and this term's Premier League triumph, including a brace against Arsenal in August. Electric pace and a lethal left foot make Mo one of English football's leading attractions. The ex-gunner, number 15, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. Midfielder, born Portsmouth, 15th of August 1993. Previously, Southampton, Arsenal Alex left Arsenal for Liverpool three years ago, having spent six seasons at Emirates Stadium, accumulating 198 first-team appearances and scoring 20 goals. A versatile midfielder with a strong shot, he was absent for virtually the whole of last season, having sustained serious knee ligament damage in April 2018. But the 35 cap England international has played some part in most of the Merseysiders' matches in this season's Premier League triumph. The finisher, number 10, Sadio Mane. Forward. Born, Sediu, Senegal, 10th of April 1992. Previously, Metz, Salzburg, Southampton. A potent, athletic striker with an eye for goal. Sadio joined Liverpool in 2016 from Southampton for £34 million and has proved fabulous value for the money. He has maintained a steady output of vital goals this term and has arguably been the top performer in the Liverpool attack, making him a strong Player of the Year candidate. He succeeded teammate Mo Salah as the CAF African Footballer of the Year in 2019 after two successive runners up placings behind the Egyptian. The keeper, number 1, Alisson, goalkeeper, born Novo Hamburgo, Brazil, 2nd of October 1992. Previously Internacional, Roma. Alisson briefly became the world's most expensive goalkeeper 2 summers ago with his 66.8 million pound transfer from Roma, and Brazil's 2018 World Cup goalkeeper has proved to be money very well spent resolving Liverpool's problem position between the posts with a catalogue of world-class performances. Injured at the start of the season, when Adrian stepped in to replace him, he also missed the home defeat to Atletico Madrid in the Champions League, proving a key loss. Scouting report by Michael Cox Having secured Liverpool's first Premier League title, Jurgen Klopp now seems intent on achieving the Premier League record points tally too. Since Liverpool were confirmed as champions, Klopp has given some opportunities to those who might feature more next season, like youngster Neko Williams and January arrival Takumi Minamino. But in general, it's been Liverpool's usual formation and their first choice eleven when available. That means he's likely to start with the front three that have fired Liverpool to the title. Roberto Firmino theoretically spearheads the side, although he spends long periods coming towards the ball, linking play and creating space for others to dart into. All eight of his Premier League goals this season have come away from Anfield. Mohamed Salah and Sadio Mane shared the golden boot with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang last season, and have again been competing to be Liverpool's top goalscorer. Salah remains devastatingly effective, cutting on to his left foot from the right flank. But Mane is the better all-rounder, capable of coming short to link play, then spinning in behind, often looking to get on the end of lofted Virgil van Dyck passes. Divock Origi is the alternative up front, more of a natural striker. There's more rotation in midfield than any other section of the site. Jordan Henderson has had a fine campaign, generally in the right centre midfield, where he links well with Salah and Trent Alexander-Arnold, but also sometimes in the deepest midfield role. Still, in that position Klopp generally prefers the sturdier Fabinho, with the trio completed by one of James Milner, Naby Keita, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain or, most regularly, Jeannie Winjardum. Relatively few goals and assists come from this zone, with Henderson most creative with his long diagonal passes. Perhaps the most tactically significant part of Klopp's side is the emphasis upon crossing from fullback. For the second campaign running, Alexander Arnold and Andrew Robertson have led the assist charts for Liverpool, which is particularly impressive considering this is a side that lacks a formidable aerial target up front. Robertson is a superb crosser, while Alexander-Arnold is more like a deep-lying playmaker at times, pulling the strings in narrower positions. Because they're involved in taking corners and because of defensive set-piece responsibilities, the two full-backs often end up on opposite flanks for surprisingly long spells, only returning to their natural roles after a break in play. They also regularly switch play quickly when the opposition attempt to press. Defensively, Van Dijk is the most revered centre-back in the world, while Joe Gomez is most suited to the aggressive defensive line that has increasingly been a key feature of Klopp's Liverpool. It helps that goalkeeper Alisson is capable of sweeping outside his box. It's worth remembering that Arsenal caused problems with pacing behind the back line in the reverse fixture, with Nicolas Pepe particularly prominent from the right. Knocking balls in behind for speedy strikers could be the best way of causing problems.
1: Retro Report Liverpool First Division Match Day 15 3 pm Sunday December 2nd 1990 Highbury Arsenal 3 Merson twenty Dixon penalty forty eight Smith eighty eight Liverpool nil referee Alan Gunn attendance forty thousand four hundred nineteen Arsenal one Seaman two Dixon three Winterburn four Thomas five Bold six Adams, 7, O'Leary, 8, Davis, 9, Smith, 10, Merson, 11, Limpar, substituted in the 88th minute. Substitutes, Groves, 88, Hillier, Liverpool, 1, Grobola, 2, Heisen, 3, Burrows. 4. Nickel, 5. Whelan, 6. Gillespie, 7. Ablett, 8. Venison, substituted in the 60th minute, 9. Rush, 10. Barnes, 11. Mulby, substituted in the 71st minute. Substitutes. Houghton, 60. Rosenthal, 71. Arsenal beat the title holders. The last time Liverpool pitted their wits against the Gunners as champions, it was a resounding victory for George Graham's side. In fact, it was the Arsenal manager's first home league win over the Reds in five seasons at the Highbury helm. Though he had, of course, famously won at Anfield to clinch the 1988-89 to title. Liverpool regained the title in 1989-90, and the following season they arrived in North London unbeaten, with 12 wins and two draws, hunting back-to-back championships. A tactical masterstroke by Graham pushed David O'Leary into a sweeper position, allowing Lee Dixon and Nigel Winterburn to pile forward, helping Arsenal's attacking impetus as they went ahead after 20 minutes. A Paul Davies corner led to pinball in the Liverpool box, before Paul Merson nodded the ball over the line, though Liverpool defenders futilely claimed the ball hadn't crossed the line. Liverpool looked dangerous, with efforts from David Burrows, Barry Venison and Ian Rush, but the Gunners went into half-time with their noses in front and struck again just after the restart. Anders Limpar ghosted into the Liverpool box and was tripped by Gary Gillespie, though a vocal Ronnie Whelan begged to differ. Dixon dispatched the spot kick to settle the Highbury faithful's nerves. Alan Smith wrapped things up in the closing minutes. The superb Merson backheeled into the striker's path and he drilled emphatically past Bruce Grobbelaar. The win put Arsenal just three points behind league leaders Liverpool, and Graham's men went on to charge to the title, leaving Liverpool seven points in their wake.
0: Teams For Arsenal Head coach Mikel Arteta Red shirts with white sleeves, white shorts and white socks 1 Bent Leno goalkeeper 2 Hector Bellerin 3 Kieran Tierney 5 Socrates Papastathopoulos 8 Danis Cebayos 9 Alexandra Lacazette 10 Mesut Özil 11 Lucas Torreira 14 Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang 15 Ainsley Maitland-Niles 16 Rob Holding 17. Cedric Suarez 19. Nicolás Pepe 20. Schroeder Mustafi 21. Callum Chambers 22. Pablo Mori 23. David Lewis 24. Reese Nelson 26. Emiliano Martinez, goalkeeper 28. Joe Willock 29. Matteo Ganduzzi 30. Eddie Nketiah 31. Zid Golasinac. 33. Matt Macy, goalkeeper. 34. Granit Xhaka. 35. Gabriel Martinelli. 49. Zek Madley, 57. Matthew Smith. 77. Bukeo Saka. For Liverpool, manager Jurgen Klopp. Black and teal shirt with blank shorts and socks. 1. Alison goalkeeper. 3. Fabinho, 4. Virgil van Dijk, 5. Jorginho Vinaldo, 6. Dejem Lovren, 7. James Milner, 8. Nabi Keita, 9. Roberto Firmino, 10. Sadio Mane, 11. Mohamed Salah, 12. Joe Gomez, 13. Adrian, goalkeeper, 14. Jordan Henderson, 15. Alex Oxlade Chamberlain, sixteen. Marco, eighteen. Takumi Minamino, twenty. Adam Lalana, twenty two. Andy Lonigan, goalkeeper, twenty three. Shirkin Shakiri, twenty six. Andrew Robertson, twenty seven. Divokorigi, thirty two. Joel Matip, forty seven. Nathaniel Phillips, forty eight. Curtis Jones, fifty one. Kiyana However. 54. Shea Joe, 62. Koyamin Kelleher, goalkeeper 66. Trent Alexander-Arnold 67. Harvey Elliott 72. Seb Vandenberg 73. Camille Grabara, goalkeeper 76. Necker Williams Match Officials Referee Paul Tierney Assistant Referees Dan Cook, Simon Long 4th Official Graham Scott VAR official, Craig Pawson. Additional VAR official, Stephen Child. Today's other fixtures, all at 6pm. Burnley vs Wolves. Manchester City vs Bournemouth. Newcastle United vs Tottenham Hotspur. The Arsenal Foundation. Helping young people fulfil their potential through education and sport. (laughs) mbna official partner of arsenal know the score before you apply see the mbna credit card you are eligible to apply for one quick form get a response in minutes all without affecting your credit rating. Try CleverCheck, the MBNA eligibility checker. mbna.co.uk slash arsenal. The credit cards are issued by MBNA Limited, Registered Office, Stansfield House, Chester Business Park, Chester, CH49QQ. Registered in England and Wales under company number 02783251. Authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority. MBNA Limited is also authorised by the Financial Conduct Authority under the Payment Services Regulations 2009, register number 204487 for the provision of payment services. Creditors available subject to status only to UK residents aged 18 or over. Calls and online sessions, for example, completing an application, may be monitored and or recorded for quality evaluation, training purposes, and to ensure compliance with laws and regulations.
1: the Arsenal the 18 to 19 kids visit our new Highbury store arsenaldirect.com on sale now free £10 gift card on orders over £40 terms and conditions apply
0: EA Sports FIFA 19 official licensed products pre-order now 28th of September 2018 3. Registered Trademark www.pegi.info EA Sports Registered Trademark Frostbite Registered Trademark EA Sports Premier League Lead Partner Copyright 2018 Electronic Arts Inc. EA, EA Sports and the EA Sports logo are trademarks of Electronic Arts Inc. Official FIFA licensed product. Copyright, FIFA and FIFA's official licensed product logo are copyrights and or trademarked to FIFA. All rights reserved. Manufactured under license by Electronic Arts Inc. we